Wow. So I'm extremely grateful for everyone that's here today at Skylight. It's like, what a beautiful crowd. So if this beautiful crowd would like to make themselves ugly at any time, there's a photo booth in the poetry section, of course. There's a whole stack of the ugliest dresses I could find um, in the 10 years of searching for ugly dresses. There's also some ugly, ugly male um, accessories, and so you can cross-dress or mix max dress however you want to do it and and then have your photo taken if you would like and then we'll post those for you um sort of the genesis behind this um reading i really find it interesting like women do so much to sort of make ritual out of other people so birthday parties weddings bachelorette parties all these things um and it's a really sort of dangerous sharp edge that they tread because these are of course are the things that are mocked and made fun of as well the things that make us um uniquely feminine is sometimes the thing that sort of gets torn apart and and what we use to sort of tear each other apart so um i love the bridesmaid dress as a ritual because essentially what it is is you are a good enough friend that you are willing to look as ugly as you have to so your friend will look beautiful and it is an unspoken rule right you know you're going to look like the most hideous cupcake ever because it'll make your girlfriend look two sizes smaller than she was before and um that statement alone is dark and terrible and true so so I think I think it's like one of those tricky things like um I still am sort of madly in love with my 6 inch heels and fluffy hair and those get with met with mixed reviews as they should because they are oppressive items but they're also the items that were given to me by my mother and from her mother and her mother mother and so in a weird way it's hard for me to give those things up because they are a mark of where I came from and so it's this weird mix of self-mockery and also like self-admiration and self-loathing and all those things mixed together into the ugly bridesmaid dress reading (laughs) so that's why we're here and so if you would like to join this tradition and make each other feel so special by making each other look so ugly it'll be really beautiful so (laughs) so please do that I'm really grateful. Um, my friend Keith Martin, who's also a dear friend to the poetry community, he has agreed to step in for Juicy Couture, who is going to be our moderator. Um, but as um, anyone named Juicy Couture knows, life can be difficult. So we'll have irreverent prayers for Juicy Couture. And Keith Martin's going to step in as the ugliest, most beautiful MC <laughs> of the evening. So I give you, I give you Keith Martin. <laughs> How are you all? Fabulous. When Nikel says be ugly, this is where I go. Nice and yellow and brown and green. Um, our first reader is Jennifer Bradpiece. Jennifer is dressed today in the most beautiful of 60s uh, wardrobe. Um, I have known Jennifer for years. Jennifer runs around in the downtown crew, and when I hear Jennifer read, I'm, I'm blown away every time. Jennifer, please come up. I came from a wedding in the last century, and I'm so grateful to be reading here with this wedding party. A place called Well. Now they wish to introduce me to a place called Well. Can one reach an appropriate destination by swimming in the sand with boots on? I see my way to well through someone else's window. Well refuses my imagination, will not be tried on the way fantasy might, a prospective lover. 
While waits on the shelf of the dr- some dried goods store, all chewy, brown, and wrinkled sweet, well floats by my left thigh like some slippery, silvered fish. Well mocks me with its steady job. Well marries in a white dress and bears three smiling children. Well rolls around like a glass eye that watches me, but doesn't care. Well lines tiny shoes in two straight rows, starches laundry, washes faces, feeds the dog, packs school lunches, throws birthday parties and cocktail parties, and never drinks too much wine. Well produces home movies of family trips, wraps presents for under the Christmas tree, cooks breakfasts and dinners, and never burns the roast. Well gets wrinkled from meetings with teachers and greetings with the guests. Well rests contented in the afternoon, cries old blue tears at borrowed weddings. Well sighs smug in the evening, boasts photographs of grandchildren. Well haunts me like an hourglass on the mantle, running out of time. And how will I know well? I don't even know enough to ease down in its rocking chair, wearing down the floorboards. Well sits in the sitting room. I dance on the rooftop, dangle from a telephone wire. I am far from well. You can clap at the end if you want. The next one's for, for someone I hear you guys have in the century, the Donald. <laughs> Miss America, there she is, wrapped in red like wax cheese. She has been sculpted and sanded by the balding godhead of moguls, someone else's sex patented and stamped with approval. But wait, the doll has shifted in her packaging, has wandered out after dark as if she were anatomically correct has stabbed at subversion, only transgressing the god who packaged her, a brand name, pasteurized. In the end, they will not disown her. They will strip her down to her baby white flesh and fasten her up to their own glossy page. A little Mary, reclaimed by commerce, by the men who open and shut the earth with their eyes. This is an old one. Nothing. When you touch me, there is nothing. Not the high, not the low, but the after, even before we begin. And the numbness invades my body at the touch of your fingers, those wanderers, those intruders. Only the after, when need explodes like a bean in a coffee grinder. But it is not right to complain, and it is not right to always ask for more, and it is healthier to be grateful for what what I've got. But what I've got is the needing, and the wanting, wanting more, wanting to feel again. The heart fiends. I am blunted by your touch even before you begin, and when we are done, that smile, proud of yourself, Where does it come from? Next comes your ritualized tearing open of a bag of chips. You trade me for the couch. You sit enchanted by the taste of your own greasy fingers, those wanderers, those intruders. Then you look into the television more deeply than you ever looked at me. And that proud smile lingers like an affliction, like a cat 
at a funeral. Two more quick ones, because I'm hoping Nikkel takes some extra minutes to read herself. Children, I envy them too much to have one. Their infinite mouths, mad things, uttering syllables detached from discernible meaning. The unprovoked screams in crowded restaurants, the inconsolable moan at improbable altitudes in plains, the things they do with food when tiny green peas inspire performance art instead of appetite. I am still confused by the electric fuse of life pulsing through my own veins, too confounded to expand the cord of my flesh into the blood and breath of another. I rearranged the clutter inside my own crowded room, alphabetized my insomnia, needlepoint my compulsions neatly to the floral slab. In this, in this asylum, only room for one. And last, and thank you so much, Nicole, for inviting me. Mulling spices. A little of this, a dab of that, we dish out our frustrations through asthmatic breasts. Mine are served up lightly seared with minty garnish of leafy discontent in a raspberry coulisse of delicate rage. Yours boil and pop in a single constant earthen pot, simmering silently most of the time, now and then bubbling up to the surface, an uneasy cube of beef in a murky stew of vague vegetable protests. Let's drain the pot and scrub the dishes now in the hope of something robust yet slightly heady. You bring the once celebrated bottle of red wine, now five days forgotten, and I the cloves, cinnamon, and some powdered sugar. Let's simmer the wine in a new pot, mix in the mulling spices, let the contradictory flavors meld, and see what sweetens and what, at the pot's depth, remains vinegar. Thank you. Fabulous. Los Angeles is very blessed to have a lot of phenomenal poets. I get to see all of them all the time. A lot of them are here. Uh, it is rare that we get to steal one from another city. And we have. Ashley has moved from Florida to here. And we are very, very lucky because our city has lots of great poets. But this is, like, phenomenal. I love, love hearing Ashley. Ashley, where are you? Come, Ashley. I didn't see your flame. It's Ashley and Guanta. Right, thank you. <laughs> okay. So, um, and thank you, Nikel, for getting me this dress. <laughs> I really love it. <laughs> and thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. Um, I have a, a story to tell that I wasn't really thinking about saying at all until I started walking here. <laughs> um, and I don't exactly know what you believe, but um, I do believe in rebirth. So I hope you respect that as I'm telling my story. Um, so before this life began, you know, this one that I'm in right now, right before this, I was 
a young man in France in the late 1700s and I was gay and I was having an affair with a really powerful man who broke my heart and then I lost all of my money and then I drowned in a river. Um, I just learned this yesterday through someone I, I trust deeply. And the biggest reason why I do believe in this is because my life right now has followed pretty much the same steps, <laughs> except for I'm a woman, and I'm a queer, and I was kind of having an affair. Um, the lines are blurry with a powerful woman who broke my heart. Um, and then I didn't really care if I lived or died and jumped into the ocean in winter. <laughs> and um, didn't die. And I still, that was like a few years ago. I have no idea like what comes after that. I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, I still really can't seem to find my footing, but I did write these poems. <laughs> and um, and they're in my book that's coming out in the fall, so <laughs> maybe good things will happen with the book. Um, it's bomb. Bomb, yeah. In one of my many dreams of love, I felt my ovaries empty and I became hungry. And in this dream, I was hungry, and it was storming. So I caught a fish, small, modest, silver, like the earrings of a woman who was ready to tie up her hair and show herself. In this dream of love, I could not remember a time storm had yielded to such necessity. The smooth sky of night, the way we gasp as steam rises thin over water, the way I say, here is my neck, and here is my breast, and here is my heart. The way that when it's time to move on, I step into a cool lagoon, my body eggless and hollow, the sky drumming down one beat two. And I cannot see anything but 1,000 fish weaving through sheets of rain. All of this heartbreaking beauty where does it go when we wake? What did you have to give up in order to get here? A room full of lifelong friends, tomatoes growing on the vine, a belly full of minnows, a kiss warm and soft. Go on, I say. Close your eyes. And imagine this, two gentle hands on your abdomen. Breathe.
I was never afraid to dream. Just like my fire lieutenant father, as he captured an image iconic to his time. Cat on a hot tin roof, New York City, 1972. He tells the story with assurance. He says, I was off duty, he says. The building was all holy hell, all fire and smoke. The cat just leapt, he says. I had my camera on me, he says. Almost every paper wanted this photograph. The desire was that simple and that clear. Sometimes I wonder if the timing of love walks the same precise line as shudder pressed and life suspended. And if it does, tell me, where are you? Are you the tightrope queen? Are you the star of Coney Island? And when you go to bed, do you feel a missing space? Do you understand that I have been waiting my whole life to fall beside you, to become a better version of me? I have two more poems Um, this one is about going to New York City um, and thinking that I would actually be with this woman and it turned out that wasn't going to happen so um, instead I found a lot of other things there though and that's what this poem's about You didn't know it would be so beautiful. The way a woman could say, you don't need those, right after you bought a pack of cigarettes. But most of all, you didn't know you would end up here, 27 years old and waiting for a sign. You didn't know that you would see a woman on the subway, dressed as a butterfly, and think, She is it. You didn't know you would hear a man riding a Brooklyn-bound train late at night yell at you about how much he hates himself. You didn't know you would hear yourself reflected in his voice, the way he scared you, the way you walked home shaking, the way you searched for the moon between row houses, the way that night changed you. You didn't know you would speak to the woman dressed as a butterfly, offer her your email, telling her that she's magic. You didn't know she would never respond, but you hoped. Every day, you hoped for a sign as you walked down Eastern Parkway, understanding that each season was passing, stepping in each moment with both assurance and uncertainty. You didn't know what waited for you when you left your tropical home for the big city, cold and sparkling. You didn't know that your DNA would spiral outward 
like a heart feels when it's falling in love. But when you were in it, when you carried yourself up and down subway tunnels, through avenues and streets, you knew that something beautiful was happening inside of the chaos. The eye of the storm finding itself. Begin. Yes, it is that simple. Our hands will turn to roses and our feet to roots. And we will not call it a miracle. No, we will call it change. We will call it soul work. And you will tell me how heavy it felt to hold your kin after he died, how wide the world became, how different and how quiet. In this quiet world, we will learn to reveal ourselves slowly as each season imprints, passes, and finally, finally drops like a lover letting go, opening her palm free and steady. Thank you. Fabulous. It's Ashley Guanta. Wow. Our next reader is Alexis Roan-Fancher. Alexis is the editor of Cultural Weekly, uh, which if you don't know, say that again? She's a poetry editor, yes. Uh, she's an arbiter of poetry here in Los Angeles. If you don't read Cultural Weekly, I highly suggest you do that. That is a phenomenal uh, website to see everything going on in the city, culturally, artistically. Um, Come on up, uh, Alexis, and uh, we're going to hear your special poetry. Okay. Hi, um, Nikhil, thank you. Any outing with you is quite an outing. Um, I'm always thrilled to be on the same stage. Um, excellent to be back at Skylight. It's been a while for me. Um, I'm going to kind of start in the at the end. Um, this is kind of how I turned out. So, well, kind of in the middle. Um, so the first poem I'm going to read is called "I Want Louboutin Heels." It's kind of my um, anthem, and then we'll go back and figure out how I ended up as such a bad girl. Uh, <laughs> I want Louboutin heels with those trademark red soles. I want them sexy. I want them high. I want them sling back and peep-toed so I can flash the purple polish on my tootsies. I want to wear them out of the store. Just you try and stop me. I want to wow them on Washington, saunter past C and O, Trattoria, and Nick's Liquor Mart, those bottles of Stoli stacked in the window calling my name. 
I want to walk past summer-clad tourists in December, shivering, barefoot, like L.A. has no winter. In those shoes, I'm hot. Stop a truck, hot. Prettiest girl in school, hot. And this time, I know it. Flaunt it. Hell, I own it. In those shoes, I can pick and choose, not settle for some loser, not drink away regrets, pound back stoli at Shea J, flash their scarlet bottoms when I kneel. I'll wear them like flesh, like hooves, like sin. I'll keep their secrets, won't spill where they've been. Better those shoes with their lurid souls than you with yours. Thank you. So I was never a bridesmaid. I was three times a bride. Um, this last time seems to be working. Um, <laughs> but before I became a happy uh, bride, I was a junky wife. And... Um, I was a real train wreck, and I have spent the last few months becoming, um, well, kind of looking at things if, 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 if I could just be responsible, and if I could look at things and not make excuses and own my own stuff. Um, question. What happened when my best friend's ugly bridesmaid dress came off and the cruel reality of my bad choices set in? You're about to find out. No names have been changed because no one is innocent. Um, Okay. This first one is called... Folly à trois. There's a kind of a syndrome called folly à deux when two people have the exact same compulsion or fantasy, but now three people have it. So folly à trois. One. I call her. My best friend Vicky answers with sex in her throat. Your husband's busy. He can't come to the phone. Two. They've been fucking since I was cast in a Brecht play at the Hyperion Theater in Silver Lake. And they weren't. (laughs) Three. I play prostitute number one. I speak my lines in Vicky's voice. Brecht says people remain what they are even if their faces fall apart. Four. After my three-week anniversary gift, her straw blonde hair on my pillow, nothing surprises me. Five, Ronnie may be having second thoughts. He says marriage to a junkie is not what it's cracked up to be. Six, I am addicted to bad men, sex, and opiates. I wrongly thought my husband was addicted to me. Seven. And Vicky? Addicted only to breaking up someone else's marriage. Tells herself Ronnie deserves better. 
plans a white wedding, refines the guest list in her head. Crime scene of love. I watch her nose flatten against my fist. Her blood splattered the bone-white walls like a pollock. Cast off ruining the cream-colored sofa, jealousy stippling my dress. Outside, the telephone wires were electric with my indiscretions. Our latest bout choreographed as blunt force trauma, a balancing pas de deux. Vicky crumpled backward into the half-light of late afternoon. When she spoke her lines, they came out not as a growl exactly, more a victorious ululation, her high-pitched wail like a she-wolf in heat. I saw the blood on her less-than-perfect teeth. Why I prefer injectable narcotics. The truth that impales me each time I get straight. It's all cake once I've found a good vein. I surrender to the dazzling foreplay, loosen the belt, ease back the plunger, watch my blood flood the syringe. The gasp. The breath catch just before I jam the plunger down, just like you plunge into me, my cheeks flush, and the rush, the ride, the afterglow, better than sex, correction, better than sex with you. Quiet candy. After you kicked me out and moved Vicky in, I spilled my guts to the Armenian drug dealer at the Glendale Galleria. He told me he'd fix my Porsche, pay off my credit cards, keep me in cashmere and coke if I let him. He said he dressed me in silk that grazed my ass, said he liked the whiteness of my thighs, said if I were his, he'd keep me out of the sun. There I was all strung out on dope, lanky, white-skinned need. The Armenian drug dealer bought me four-inch Louboutins and a leash bought me a Stetson to shade my face. I let him move me into his condo in Glendale. The Armenian drug dealer liked to drive the freeways, had business in San Diego and Oceanside and San Juan Capistrano, liked the top down on the beamer, liked the way my hair whipped in the wind. He liked fucking me in his three-car garage, pinned against the hood. He could do it for hours when I let him. The Armenian drug dealer liked candy on his arm, quiet candy who was loud in the bedroom. He liked my ass raised on a pillow, legs spread like a gullwing Mercedes. I let him do anything he wanted. He wanted me to tell him about you.
I told the Armenian drug dealer how you wrapped Vicky in my mother's embroidered shawl, how you gave her my grandmother's amethyst ring, how you used a rifle to make your point, how you could only come if you tied me up, how you papered our bedroom with lies. The Armenian drug dealer wanted to storm your house, wanted to tie you up with the same ropes you used on me, wanted to rip my mother's shawls from Vicky's shoulders, wanted to take the rifle out of your hands, wanted to bring back my grandmother's amethyst ring. So I let him. Thank you. The Dracaena plant in my apartment on Beechwood Drive. Um, this poem was uh, recently accepted by Rattle. It'll be in the uh, Rattle uh, LA Poets edition coming out in June. Um, thank you. The Dracaena plant in my apartment on Beechwood Drive. One. When I see I've overwatered it again, I jab the turkey baster into the rust-colored runoff before the water spills over onto the hardwood floor. In our midtown apartment, the harsh light sears the spiky leaves. It reminds me of summer when you left me here on Beechwood Drive and I shot Demerol and my rust-colored blood backed up in the syringe, the same pierce of yellow light, the sharp spike breaking my skin, too. I remember what you said about overkill, how I could love a thing to death. My jaundiced face mirrored the ailing yellow of the Dracaena's tired leaves, the green of it peaked off color. My sad visage, the hue of drowning, the flood of the Demerol too much like pleasure. Three. The Dracaena hides a stain on the hardwood floor in the exact shape of a man. A murky, splayed patch between the closet and the door. Since you disappeared, some nights I lie down on that stain, my body mimicking the way I'd lie on top of you, arms and legs akimbo. I imagine you oozing out onto the hardwood, a mess under duress, the landlord explained that a dead man had lain there till long past rigor, oozing fluids like an overwatered plant, till he and the floor had organically merged into one. Thank you. So. That's kind of my story, and um, I'm sticking to it. Um, but after that, you know, I got clean and rehabilitated, and it's been decades, and you now it's all good. Um, thank you. So I have two more, and then I'm done. Uh, this is me after I left him. Handy. I wanted you small and folded in my pocket like a Swiss army knife, like a blow-up doll. I wanted you to fuck me and then disappear. You wanted me wide open, surrendered, like a vacation, like a ripe nectarine. 
I wanted to use you for sex. Isn't that what all men dream of? You wanted to fuse us to the bed, glue me on my hands and knees, to the sheet, through the mattress, tether me to the box springs, nail me through the floor. That day I saw you in Venice. You walked past me like your cock had never been in my mouth. I almost grabbed a fistful of you, crammed you in like food. And I'm going to end um, on a happy note. Um, <laughs> well, that last one was pretty happy. <clears throat> and this is uh, called Tonight. I will dream of Angelica, my first ex-girlfriend who taught me the rules of the road. Angelica comes on to me like a man, all slim-hipped swagger, relentless, dangling that red 57 T-bird at me like dessert. Let me take you for a ride, chica, she says after acting class. I figure, what's the harm? But Ms. Angel, food gets out of hand. I don't count on her heart-shaped ass or those brown nipples crammed in my mouth. I don't count on the dilematic four-way power leather seats, the telescoping steering wheel, or the frantic pleasure of her face between my thighs. I admit I've always been driven to sin. But Angelica's far from blameless. She rides me hard, week after week, double clutches me into ecstasy, hip bone against hip bone, the dulcet, lingering groan of our gears grinding. When I confess the affair to my boyfriend, he jacks himself off in the galley kitchen, comes all over his unattainable fantasies. He says he doesn't consider sex between women to be cheating and begs me to set up a threesome. I tell him the T-bird's a two-seater. <laughs> and I watch his face fall. I could end it, but why? All I can say is I want her for myself. All I can say is I'm a die-hard romantic. Anyone I do, I do for love. Thank you. Any when I do, I do for love. Um, our next reader is Jackie Bang. Jackie, come up. Uh, I first saw Jackie. You going that way? Bye. Okay, grab. I first saw Jackie at the Poetry Circus last year. For those who do not know, the Poetry Circus is an event that Nikel produces the last two years during the summer. It happens at the Carousel in the Park where she invites a bunch of phenomenally well-known poets along to read with some of those we do not know so well. And I got to see Jackie for the first time last summer and I was quite blown away by Jackie and her musical accompaniment. And it looks like you're in for a treat. She's coming. She's got things to show you. Okay, you ready? All right, be amazed. 
Okay, hi. I'm gonna try not to fall down. I don't wear shoes like this ever, 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 ever. So, Nicole, it's for you, baby. All right, um, so this is my partner in poetry performance, Casper Sonnet. Um, he's a lovely, multi-talented, crazy art music sounds but I wanted to talk for a minute before I start we start um, about Nikhil Davis um, Nikhil Davis is such a pivotal person in my life like you meet someone right and you um, you realize immediately that they're your soulmate right and maybe nobody fucks anybody else but you know you're going to be together forever right um I met her and I heard the gruesome grotesquerie of her circus uh, and I was so enamored and there was so much um, tragedy and beauty entwined or conjoined like twins who cannot be separated, right, without someone dying. Um, And so I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to come back to life and to be here to drumroll, literally, into your performance. I'm so excited about your book. It's so beautiful. If you haven't had a chance to pick it up, please do, because it's gorgeous, it's brilliant. And in this moment where we're making these huge decisions um, in the political sphere that we live in or we don't live in or we want to ignore or whatever it is that we're doing, Mikhail has the bravery to come forth for like you know the portion of the planet that's like over over 50%, right? All right, so here we go. Uh, the, we're going to do one piece for you today, and it's called uh, The Second Alligator Killbox. Step one, stalk your prey. Rewind the clock like it's your id a decade since Katrina, baby. Climb in on top of the fire ladder, the hill under. To the ceiling, her window, rooftop object of smoke a jay. What's around obsession? Drink yourself to death, do a line. Watch the silencio fog lean in from Bellingham Bay by bay to brick by brick edifice, the glow. 3 a.m., lamplights of railroad, avenue screeching clack howl of incoming cargo. Climb that ladder, hooch hot and late night long after you're in cahoots, cause it's a diary of a drug fiend, baby, and you can't never sleep. Wonder, 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 can you hear my footfall on your ceiling? Not required, just preferred, have some sort of attachment, detachment, disorder, in order to be abandoned by all, or abandon all, drug use and whiskey blues. Emphasize the heavy, the heady, delusions, romantic, naturally occurring. We met in a bar and synthetic, and synthetic, and synthetic, a woman who will teach you to play those nodding hand blues, wearing only a blood red corset, Pulled taut to her skin with chocolate ribbons, says, crawl to me after you smoke that coke and unlace her body like pornography, straight identified right. Yeah. But blue collar charmed by your ability to scale the wall below her bedroom window, increasingly less so. 
when she wakes up to you across the room, sketching her for too many dawns in a row, moans not in that good way, oh, her face in a camera obscura calibrated pillow talk six o'clock in the morning is not a reasonable bedtime. Warp those fine lines in her flowered sheet all the way to show you the front door. Hear the lock click like your heart stop to linger in the porch slatted light like you've never belonged to anyone anywhere. Down, 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 down. Holly with that thick brown taste enough to blur the edge, the dew of each leaf and blade, the hard world under the sole of your shoes. A roommate of that tall, hot girl who jumped you at your friend's party, locked the door, and shoved you down on her bed like she was a princess, playing at... You stand accused by the chubby buddy who'd been working up the Balzac to ask her out of cunt-blocking him. His. Cock. Him. The first girl besides Clyde before Clyde was Clyde, not exactly straight identified, but after a month or less identified as no longer into your ass... You and CB, CWC, elbow deep and competing for who can swing the most straight girls. She almost counted. You were winning. The roommate will find you, find you, find you, hopped up on PBR, stumbling through the dark of their mutually rented kitchen. Long after the bars you're too young to get into have closed up, closed up, get out, get out, walk that ass home, shaking like you're about to get locked up, kid, because you're about to get locked up, kid. And in the sobering moonlight, no longer walk her street at night at all, at all. Or if it's really stalking you're after, by all means, walk up her street at night. The husband of the tall pixie woman who sometimes leaves her glitter in your sheets after the bars you both work in shut down now that you are grown enough to do shots and lines and her in the walk-ins, in the walk-ins, did he walk in? The husband, she's not sure, is straight, but straight, gay, or bi, he identifies primarily as handsome and married. And she is handsome. When she meets you for coffee at the greasy spoon, she'll say her five-year-old is Flannery. Ask if she's the misfit or good country. She'll smile like, you know, like maybe, like maybe you're her people, like maybe you're home. Still, you're not her only lover, though. When she skips a beat, when she skips a beat, goes silent. You, you rattle the wee hours window. Not her only lover, though. Never forget the pain knocking against the old wood frame. The look on his face when he throws up the sash and it's you. Go home, baby. She's flown down in psychiatric lockup somewhere just north of Sea Town. Kick it, 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 farther back. A misfit origin, a misfit origin, a misfit origin myth where you sit on the sidewalk outside your last foster home long after the hearth light has blown out. The college town, 20 miles from the basement hearth light where all this was formed at. Leave that, leave that, the question, the question on foot the day after the enlightenment of your 18th birthday party, because you finally wed the question, the question in your court-appointed daddies, court-appointed daddies, court-appointed daddies on the mouth kisses, because that's how they did it in his family, do it in his family to your sister's story of their grand love affair, or is it rape if she, is it rape if she doesn't say no? 
Is it rape if she doesn't say no? But he's not always nice about it, though. And your foster father and your foster mama and your foster mama never suspected a thing. Ho! Foster children are notorious liars. No, notorious. Get a habit. Get a habit. Get hung up. Get a habit. Get hung up on. Get a habit. Get hung up on. Get a habit. Get a habit. Get hung up on. A woman who makes the sleep transition quicker than any dude you'll ever ammunition. She never left that. She never left that Nebraska fog. She never left. She never left. She never left that Nebraska hog farm. Lives high on 45 degree angle, and the walk to her love is sleep and lonesome. Even when she's home, sometimes. And of all the streets, hers is the easiest to avoid, easiest to leave, but it's still not easy to leave, easy to leave. Drink yourself to infatuation with your best friend, the person with whom you've known love the longest. CBD, CBCWC, Clyde before Clyde was Clyde when he tells you to buy an alligator suit to best man his wedding, and your four years girlfriend, the one you cheated on with the married pixie for one. Kicks your increased ass to the curb and then moves in next door. Oh, drink a pint of moonshine outside her next door window and scream that she's a fucking bitch because what happened to your dreams and she's a fucking bitch? Rinse and repeat. When she tells her grad school friends the story later at her graduation dinner, she will refer to this period as when you used to serenade her. They'll assume correctly that you are a romantic. Because that bitch is a Russian from Russia Jew. A sense of humor as brutal as anything you can do. Get too drunk to fuck in the Russian's bed with CBCWC while she's out of town and she, before she was he, is watching the kids eon and bigamut. Drink all her liquor and fuck through the motions with CBCWC. Clyde before Clyde was Clyde, even though that bridge leads to nowhere. Because she's a bitch, right? And high five. We're not going to change the sheets, right? Buy a poem, a blow off the bar after you close until the dawn light is overwhelmed with the scent of lilacs, lilacs. Until the dawn light is overwhelmed with the scent of lilacs, lilacs. Until the dawn light. At home. At home, open the door. The closet door where CBCWC is sleeping with her before she was his head next to a banjo. And what happens next you still don't know and he still won't show you the old black and white so so the film clips so skip town palming what went down in the closet with Clyde before Clyde was Clyde CBCWC like a reason to rearrange your name your face so he can find you easy if he wants to so everyone who doesn't know you biblically will see you coming thank you I'm going to fall down for sure now. Nikkel Davis, ladies and gentlemen. Shaggy Bang. Shaggy Bang. Wow. Thanks, Shaggy, and your accompaniment. All right, we're going to bring up Nikkel. Thank you very much for coming. We very much appreciate you coming over to Skylight. Nikkel, come. Come. Tell us all about the well boy. Uh, uh, I love you too, Jackie Bang. <laughs> I'm shaking. I'm sorry. Um, I, I think, uh, I mean, this is, uh, this is oversimplified, but I don't think women write about sex. I think they write about surviving. 
And I think they write about not just surviving bodily, but like having any sort of sense of person intact. And so it gets confusing, though, doesn't it? Because there's definitely a lot of sex involved in surviving for women. Um, anyways, yeah. <laughs> so... I'm in this pink dress because one of the weddings I had to go to, the entire bridesmaid um, dresses were all these like pink dresses. And it wasn't until much later that I was, um, I accidentally um, got lost or, um, <laughs> or misplaced. And so I ended up going to the bathroom in the men's room and like all the, all the men from the, the wedding, not all of them, but a good portion of them were in there um, doing naughty things and saying mean things. And, and one of the things that they said is that because all the bridesmaids were in these sort of nebulous vagina dresses, that it looked like it was a sea of men being swallowed by meat curtains, um, <laughs> which is a good line, you know what I mean? And so it made me think about the whole sort of process. Like it's, it's an awkward Weird, weird ritual, um, which has a lot of like layers to it, and so. Um so I had this dream of having a nebulous pink dress with a pocket that you could reach in and pull out a questionably valuable prize. And so after the reading, if you'd like, uh, yeah, I got a snake. Let's see what else? You can reach in really deep and find all sorts of things inside. Um, Oh, would you like a kaleidoscope from my pocket? Yeah, of course, any time. Um, so there's a lot of things buried inside my pocket, so if you'd like to come in and retrieve one of them, I would be happy to give you something from my pocket. Um, uh, the Waldup Wife... Um, there's actually it's a it's a, it's the oldest ballad in the history of the ballad. It's like uh, there's over there's close to a thousand different versions of it, and so I thought I'd write another one, another version of it. Um, mostly, it reads like a bad bar joke, and the idea was medieval architects didn't understand how you could have empty space in a room, so um, the body stays upright because there's a soul in it, but how do walls of an empty space room stay up without a soul? So either the architect or the king would trick his wife into being buried alive in the walls of a cathedral. And so there, like, they would um, trick her into coming to the site, and then they would pour mortar on her feet, and then they'd build the walls around her. And there she would, like, you know, like, piss and poop herself and claw at the walls and beg for someone to let her out. And all that angst and pain would then turn into the spirit that haunts the cathedral. So I thought about how this actually applies to a lot of our lives still, and um, <laughs> more, mostly because it's an architecture. So it's not like it's not it's not a gender or a sex thing. It's actually the way that we've built power structures. It's the way that we conceive of power, right? Like there has to be a sacrifice, and and who gets sacrificed, and why it's that person. And so I wanted to look at that. Um, I thought I'd really hate the architect that was burying her alive, but I ended up falling madly in love with him, which is awkward as well, you know? Um, uh, so, so, so I did that. Um, this, this poem is totally for Jackie Bang because she's in it. Because <laughs> there's also like this big sort of um, complex that you have, like if you're retelling a fucked up story, does that just not make the story that much more powerful? So am I doing anything against it or am I just like fueling it? I can't tell. And it's so romantic, isn't it? In a gothic way, you know? To be buried alive. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
My little box head responds, objects to found poetry and the rewriting of the ballad of the walled up wife. One, stop being so fucking clever, poet. Here's the blueprint. What I found in the walled wife is this. I thought I would dig her up, but I only uncovered my desire to be brought down, to be bound. Two, a friend criticizes, I've listened to you go on and on and on about this for hours. Enough. Don't you think this is out of time? We are past this. You only love patriarchy because it's familiar. Why retell this fucked up story? Why rebuild a corrupt structure? Your point is... I love you. (laughs) Three, what I can't say explicitly is written in italics. I seldom feel human. (laughs) I seldom feel human. I can say it. I can't distinguish love from a desire to be named. Confession. I feel less like a grave when he says my name. As death approaches, I fuck like a shovel as though this were my way out of a grave. I watch his eyes to see if anyone's capable of loving not just any grave, but this name. I don't want to be saved. I want to feel like my little life is worthy of this question. I watch his eyes to see if he will ask for my name. Four. The point. The wife became my architecture for search. This is not the same as being saved. This is not the same as being renamed or claimed. What I need to find is beyond walls, past definition. Call it something, something indefinable as five. Love. Any more only translates to shame. I have a name. I am. Am not ashamed of it. Um... Oh, thanks. So this book took about five years to write. We were talking about it over here. I actually had it in the burn pile, and a friend like actually pulled it out and was like, what is this? I'm like, kindling. And they read a few pages. They're like, no, it's kind of okay. Um, but before it was kindling and before it became a book, I became obsessed with this idea. So I started asking friends and loved ones to bury me alive. So I was buried alive in open earth, so my friends dug a shallow grave and covered me up in earth, which really hurts your lungs and your joints. Like, the earth is heavy, so it actually does weird things to your body. And then I had a group of students, like, build me up into, like, a brick wall, and I stood there for a day, and they did graffiti art around it, and then they took it apart and made a unity wall. It was awesome. It was super good. I only peed myself once. It was fine. Um... (laughs) Sorry, you didn't need to know that. Um, And then this is for little Ashley. Like, New York's a great place to have your heart broken because um, there's so much oncoming traffic. So you just, like, stand on the corner, and you're like, God, it feels so good. Just, like, impact, right? You're like, "Mm, touch, right? So I was in New York, and I was looking at the curb, and I was in this little pink dress, Um, which a bum was like, a bum, I shouldn't call him that, this really lovely man that didn't have a home. Um, He walked by and he's like, little vagina, why are you so sad? And I'm like, well, (laughs) maybe, so, (laughs) it's not so little anymore, is it? It's huge. Anyways, um, so this this, uh, this this man is like, oh, poor little vagina. I'm sorry. And he felt so bad that he had like this like evil eye necklace with all these little like beaded like evil eyes, like the blue eyes. He's like, you need this more than I do. And so 
So then I, I put it on, and I, I saw a $5 psychic booth, and I'm like, $5 for a psychic, great deal. So I go in, and the woman is, like, shoving pizza down her mouth and, like, yelling at her husband who forgot to pick up their kid, and she had a Diet Coke, and I went to sit down, and she spilled the Coke all over my little vagina dress. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I guess I'll read it for free. And so, so then I was a little sticky vagina, and she told me for $600 I could rub some stones on me, and then someone would love me. But I didn't have $600, so I didn't do it. And I'm still single. Okay, here we go. Experiments in being buried. One, alive and naked earth. Holding a shovel as a boy, not a boy so much as a body growing. His skin, patch of ground like a bed. What can't be sown in youth? Clean, well mouthed, spring of throat, new. My skin's a stained sheet tied to a dry line. I've asked him to fold and bury me. He'll do as instructed. Spade corner to garden corner. Hands of earth against my mouth. There was a time I believed in the all-consuming. I want to believe again. Holding a shovel is a boy. Buried alive, I reclaim something. Remember when love smelled like rain? Two, buried alive in center block. My students build me into a tower, standing for three hours, reading old texts aloud. I have no idea what they are doing on the other side of me. Eventually, they pull back the bricks to reveal graffiti. A girl who cannot hear has drawn a sun in sunglasses. The man in charge of safety admits, I enjoyed that. I really did. (laughs) Truth told, So do I. Isn't this the story we longed for? Babel, that universal reach towards something larger than self. I ask what's remembered, and no one knows what to say, or is it how to say three? Masturbating in New York in someone else's bed. (laughs) New York. Okay, I'm not home when he begins to ignore me. I hold my breath until blinded by asphyxiation. I'm again void, again invisible light. It's all heat now. I turn towards myself. She has our face in our hand. She's pounding it into the ground. A sky snatches ocean held high. She drops me a skyline fall. Covered in blood, I come sobbing with the automatic song of pleasure. My fingers red stains, robins fluttering over broken eggs. Their wings sound the question, why, why, why? Um, Prince just died. That's a. What am I? What are we gonna do without him? I, my brother um, called me because he knew I'd be a wreck, and he's like, "You know that they have seven thousand unreleased recordings by Prince, so he's a good man to to save us with that." Um, so this this song is obviously Prince inspired. Uh, Turn falcons and ravens. I pay too much to ride the express for a one-night stand with London. From 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., I walk church to church, the straps of my carry-on cutting into my shoulders. By morning, I'm bleeding. I sing off the cold with American pop. Come, let the rain come down, let the rain come down, down, down. I step over Saturday's youth sprawled drunk on the ground, their exposed thighs, soft moons rising from wet concrete, an edible light. I wonder if there is a love beyond conception. Should have come, I sing, let the rain should have insisted. Sing, come on, a condom. 
I continue to wander off years of alone from church to church, confessing like rain, remembering how your body arched like a steeple, your voice shucking off cold. In this space, I believed in more than the ten to five, believed in sex as baptism. But now it's seeing come down morning. I'm bleeding wet and cold. You're no walkable distance, and I'm out of churches. Yet the sleepless nights keep coming without hope for forgiveness. So I sing, never meant sorrow, never meant pain. Let the rain, let the rain, let the rain come down, down, down. Um, So thanks, you guys. Um, I want us to have time to drink more bad wine and mingle a little bit. And I have to actually, like, jet across town because we turned this into a little play which um, is on tonight at City Garage Theater in Santa Monica. So um, it starts at 8 o'clock. So if you want to see us actually bury a really beautiful woman alive on stage, mostly with our large bodies, but, you know, whatever works. Um, so, so that's where we're off to next. We still have the photo booth in back, so if you feel like dressing up like a nebulous vagina yourself, there's lots to choose from. Um, and that's it. I'm really grateful. Thank you, Skylight Books. Buy books, because we love them. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.